Good morning, everybody. Good to be back here in South Florida with you in the church this morning. I want to just tell you a couple of announcements today. Actually, the first announcement is that we got to pray. So we'll do that first. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you, Father, that though he was God, he came here and was born of a woman so that he could die for our sins, be buried and be raised from the dead by you on the third day. We thank you for the simplicity of salvation, Father, that you have done all the work through your Son, and it is just our calling to believe the truth, the great news. Father, we thank you for one another. We thank you for the gift of each other in the body of Christ. We thank you, Father, for every one of us having a manifestation of the Spirit to glorify you and to build up one another. We thank you, Father, also for your word. It's alive and powerful. We thank you, Father, for your grace in our lives from the moment that we believe all the way through to eternity. And we just want to, this morning, ask for the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit for all that will be going on today. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. We'll celebrate the Lord's Supper today at the end of service. And also, we have a, a different missionary organization every month. And this month, it's, it is uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship. Oh, we did have the map. Anyway, I had a bunch of pictures, but for some reason, there. Well, anyway, Mission Aviation Fellowship. Um, I know most of you know about them. Uh, if you want more information, you can go on their website, www.maf.org. We also have a link on our uh, website as well, our website. All right, let's begin this morning in John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. As we continue in this great gospel, the gospel of John. John three sixteen. It's the universal gospel, meaning that's written for all peoples and all times. It is the one that presents clearly the truth that Jesus Christ is God. It's also the one, the one gospel where Jesus talks with his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. This is recorded in John. Of course, it happened, but not the other three don't record it, okay, for their own, because their purposes is different. Remember, there's four gospels for four purposes, okay? The, the fourth gospel is the great evangelistic one, where the truth of who Jesus Christ is in his deity is proclaimed so that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. All right, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him, through his son. He who believes in his son is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. 
Verse 22. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And there he was spending time with them and baptizing. John also was baptizing in Aonan near Salim. Because there was much water there and people were coming and were being baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples. With a Jew about perfect purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must now decrease. Our passage today consists of two distinct parts. Title of today's message comes from verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is talking about John. He says these words, John the Baptist. And it's the last time he'll speak in this gospel. And he's pointing out the fact that he understood his calling. And the time of his work is finished. And therefore he steps aside. And he allows Jesus to go forward with his incredible ministry as the light of the world. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, we've just read verses 16 to 30. It contains two distinct parts. The first part, verses 16 through 21, they describe God's love in sending his son to save the world. God sent his son to save the world. The world is every human being. Every human being. God sent his son. He never wanted anybody to not be saved. He didn't want anybody to be judged. He wanted all to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. He came. He sent his son to save the world. Unfortunately, there's a big difference. There's two different kinds of people. And they have totally different opposite destinies. Those who believe in the son of God and those who do not. These have both, as we'll see this morning, both a different eternal destiny, opposite, but also a different nature, a different nature, different destinies, different nature. So that's the first section. God's love for sending his son to save the world, those who believe, those who don't, and the opposite destinies of those two. Then the second section, verses 22 to 30, narrate, there's now a story narrating, tells the story of the last testimony of John the Baptist. He knew, John the evangelist in the first chapter says that he was sent by God. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. But So this is the last testimony that John gives about the light, about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's as his star, as it were, is being eclipsed by the light of the world, Jesus. All right, today we're going to pick things up in verse 19, but since... Verses 19 through 21 explain verses 16 to 18. We'll review verses 16 
to 18 first. Okay, so we're going to go, in other words, we're going to go back now to verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. This gives us the background. Why, what, this will tell us what, what the judgment is that, that, that um, John is writing about in verse 19. We go back to verse 16 to see that. For God so loved the world, every person, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in his son shall not perish but have eternal life. There are the two opposite destinies. Perish or eternal life. Those who believe have eternal life. Those who do not believe perish. Verse 17. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world. That's crucial to understand. This is the heart of God for all people on this earth. Jesus Christ didn't come. God the Father didn't send his son to judge the world. So many people think that God's heartbeat is to judge those. People spend a lot more time talking about Jesus Christ coming as the judge, which he isn't, than as the savior, who he is. God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world. Why did God send his Son into the world? But that the whole world, every person who ever lived or ever will, might be saved through his Son. Verse 18, again, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What's the reason he's been judged already? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God sent his Son to save everybody. There's two destinies. Those who believe have eternal life. Those who don't believe are judged. But it was never God's intention for anybody to be judged. Yet it happens. Why? Because some believe in the, in the name of the only begotten Son and some do not believe. Those who do not believe have been judged already. In other words, by the very fact that they have not believed, they have placed themselves, actually, we'll see, kept themselves under judgment. They remain under the wrath of God because they don't believe. Again, I want to keep emphasizing this because of where we're going this morning in verses 19 through 21. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. One reason, and one reason only. Now, he mentions judgment in verse 18, and now he's going to describe it. He's going to tell more things about the nature of this judgment and why there is a judgment. All right. This, verse 19, is the judgment. This is the judgment. That the light has come into the world. Who's the light of the world? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Word of God, life itself. The light has come into the world. In other words, here was a world in darkness. Remember when Jesus came, they didn't recognize him even though he was their creator. John chapter 1 tells us he comes. As we know, he will die for the sin of the world, be raised from the dead. But that light is the way in which people are rec- recognize their true situation. Okay. Or can recognize their true situation. The light has come into the world. In other words, one could say before Jesus came into the world, I didn't know I was this bad. Right? But there's no excuse now that the light, the very righteousness of God, life, the eternal life itself has now come into the world. The light has come into the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. 
Notice, what's the judgment? Men loving the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Now, at that point, you might say, wait a minute. This is about deeds? Do you mean that salvation is not by faith alone? Well, of course it is. So we're going to have to, t- pay, we have to see what's really going on here so we understand. It's so critical. Because this, these three verses, unfortunately, have been used to say two things. One, it's by your works you're saved, right? Lordship, salvation. They use this passage. But two, the other side of the coin, some use this passage to say, God selects who's going to be coming into the light and who doesn't. God determines by himself who's going to be saved and who's not ahead of time. That's the hyper-Calvinist view. Right? That's the tulip, for those of you who understand that. But it's basically, that's the principle. Well, both of those are false. They're false gospels. And so that's why we have to take some care in walking through this section so that we understand why that those are false. Okay? Jesus, Jesus um, God the Father, did not select ahead of time who would believe and who wouldn't. Okay? Salvation is by faith, not of works. So we're going, to, we're going to go through this to see this, and we're going to go slowly. Maybe you might think too slowly, but there's a reason for that. Some of these things by themselves, I understand, we know, but I want, to, I want you to see them all together so that it, it illuminates us as to what's being said in verses 19, 20, and 21. Again, verse 19, this is the judgment. What's the, what judgment? The one who has been judged because he hasn't believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Why has he been judged? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. That's the judgment. That light has come into the world and men love the darkness. We're going to see who those people are. By the way, I'm, I'm looking at some of them this morning. At one time, all of us were in this category. You're not there anymore, so I'm not really looking at you. The principle, though, is, is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all started life in the darkness. Men love the darkness rather than the light. Why? For their deeds were evil. And can any one of us say that in our our whole life, we never committed evil deeds? Of course not. That's the very reason we need a Savior. Okay, so, but then something happens when we believe in the Savior. And now we are, we are children of light and we have the opportunity. And actually when we live, and we, and we live according to what the Word of God has to say, and in fact we're designed for that, then we, 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 we perform good deeds. The most important thing, though, is that we believe that's the good and, they, and unbelievers don't, which is the evil. All right? I want you to keep focusing on that so, we, so you don't drift into either of those lies, meaning, well, it's by works, clearly, no, or God picks you. The only way you can understand that who's in the light and who's in the darkness, God must select who's who. Those are both false. Those are both false. Okay, I want, to, I want you to notice four things now. I'm going to go through them one at a time about verses 16 through 19. The first one, I know you know this, but in this context, the whole world needs to be saved. How do we know that? Verse 17, God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The world needs saving. Every person needs a Savior. Every human being starts out in the darkness. Every human being begins life under judgment. Every human being starts out as an unbeliever. But God sent his son so that no human being would remain in the darkness. 
That was his reason for sending the son. He could have left us all in the darkness. But he, he loved the world so much that he sent his only son so that we wouldn't remain there. Wouldn't stay under his judgment forever. Wouldn't be under his wrath for all time. That's the first one. The whole world needs to be saved. Second, at any point in time, the human race is divided into two categories. And only two. Right? Only two categories. The first one, of course, is that those who believe in the Son of God... The second one is those who do not believe in him. So in other words, everybody starts out in the darkness. No one has yet believed in... We don't begin our life as believers, in other words. See, that's the lie of Calvinism, that some have been selected, predestined to be a believer, and others haven't, and therefore you start out your life as a believer. It's it's ridiculous, okay? But people believe that, okay? So those who believe in the Son of God are those who started in the darkness, the light came, They understood they needed a Savior, and they believed in Christ. At any point in time, there are some people who have become believers in Christ, and then others who haven't yet. Okay, haven't yet. Those who haven't yet are keeping themselves under judgment. Okay, that's the point. I want you to see that picture. It's not as if some people are good and some people are bad. We all started bad. All right, but some have have heard the gospel and believed it, and have become new creation. Or, or, as it says in the Gospel of John, born again from above. Okay. Not, so the, that's, the, that's the second thing. At any point in time, the human race is divided into two categories. Those who believe in the Son of God and those who do not believe in him. Right now, on planet Earth, there are two categories of people in God's eyes. Those who have believed in his Son and those who have not believed in his Son. Third point. These two kinds of people, notice the wording carefully, these two kinds of people face diametrically opposite destinies. Diametrically opposite. In other words, diameter, one goes one one direction and the other direction. All right? Absolute opposite destinies. We've already seen that. The first kind of people who believe in Christ, they have a destiny of eternal life. Second kind of people who don't believe in Christ have a destiny of judgment. Okay. That's the third principle. Those who believe have eternal life do not commit a judgment. Now that tells us that when verse 19 talks about judgment, guess who it's not talking about? Those who believe, right? Does that make sense? Okay, that's really important to understand that. And, and so we, that's the final point I want you to understand before we get into this is that when, you, when we start in verses 19 and 20, it's going to explain the judgment that is mentioned and defined in verse 18. It's so important to understand that. In verses 19 to 20, he is not talking about believers. He is talking about the judgment that applies to those who haven't believed in his son, in God's son. This is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Verses 19 to 20 further explain the judgment mentioned in verse 18. He who believes in him is not judged. Therefore, verses 19 and 20 can't be talking about those who believe. He who has not, does not believe has been judged already. The judgment applies to those who have not believed. And then in 19, this is the judgment that light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were Evil. Let's continue now with verses 19 through 21. 
I'll read, I'll read it once again. This is the judgment. What judgment? The judgment on those who have not believed. That the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. By the way, verses 19 and 20 describe the whole human race before they believe. All right? Everybody starts life out as an unbeliever. The world today, when, the, when, the, when, the, when, when uh, John talks about the world, he's talking about the world of unbelievers. Okay, but we all started out as unbelievers. That's God loved all of us. Men love the darkness. This is a description of the whole human race without Christ. Men, we all love the darkness, okay, until we became believers in Christ. Why? Our deeds were evil, and we didn't want to see that, so we stayed in the darkness. Verse 20, for everyone who does evil, all right, evil deeds, hates the light, does not come into the light for fear. For fear, what? That his deeds will be exposed. We are all, in our human nature, in Adam, we all have this fear that we're going to be found out, right? It's the same thing about Adam in the garden after, after Adam and the woman sinned. What was the first thing that Adam and the woman did? They hid from the Lord. They didn't want to face him. Because they understood he was perfect righteousness and they had just sinned and they didn't want to face that. So they ran and they hid. Okay. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth, guess who he who practices the truth has to be? The verses 19 and 20 are about unbelievers. And then verse 21 begins with the word, but now we're talking about a new category, he who practices the truth. Who's that? Believers. It's that simple. It's, in other words, these are descriptive. They're describing the two categories of people now. Here are the ones that haven't believed. All right? they're, they're still in the darkness. They love it. Their deeds are evil. They don't want to come to the light. They hate the light. Why? They're afraid that their deeds will be exposed for what they are. But he who practices the truth, that's believer. In other words, don't make this into a works program. This is not saying that, well, those who are in the darkness are, are un- unsavable, and then there are these who, who, who practice truth. You have to practice truth in order to be saved. That's not true, right? It says that those who are saved turn it around, practice the truth. It's the opposite, all right? That's so important to see this. It's describing believers, we practice the truth so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. What does that mean? It's, it's, it's Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For great, by grace you have been saved through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. And then it goes on and it says that for those who are saved, God has prepared works ahead of time. So that we may walk in them. Whose works are they? God's works, right? God did it, right? So we're walking in the the, the deeds that God has prepared. And they're shown as having been wrought in God. By what? By the light. By the light. By the truth. By righteousness. It shows that these these are, in other words, when we love one another sacrificially, okay, and, and the light, God's word, is shined on what we're doing. It proves that we're believers and that we're doing it according to the power and the grace that God has given us. We didn't start out life with, with loving sacrificially, you see. That's an indication that we're believers, okay? 
Not a, not, by the way, not a requirement either. It's an indication. Those are so important. Again, I'm, I hope you can see I'm straddling the line. I don't want to fall over to this side into what we call lordship salvation, which means you've got to do stuff. And if you haven't done it yet, then you may not be saved. Lie. On the other hand, I don't want to stroll or swerve into the other lane and say that God picks those who, have not, who are going to believe and not going to believe. Okay. So I'm taking my time. All right. So verses 19 to 20 explain the judgment in verses in, in, in verses 19 and 20 further explain the judgment in verse 18. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. I, I dare say all of us have had for a period of time where we didn't want to know what the gospel's implication was. We didn't want to admit that we needed a savior. We didn't want to admit that we've fallen short in a basic way, that basically I am, as, as Paul says, a wretched person. Now, the light tells you that. So what are you going to, if, you don't, if you're not ready to accept the fact that you're a wretched person, what are you going to do? You're going to hide from the light. As long as I stay in the darkness, I don't have to know who I really am. You see it? We all started life that way. There is none righteous, not even one. But he who practices the truth, that's a believer. We practice the truth not to become a believer, but because we are believers. Because God has made us into his children, his sons and daughters. He who practices the truth comes to the light. See, now that we believe in Christ and we understand that God has declared us to be righteous, if we really understand this, if we really believe that we have been adopted sons and daughters of God, if we really believe that we've passed out of judgment and into life, when we believe all of that and the light tells us that, then we're not afraid anymore of presenting ourselves to the light because we know all our sins have been forgiven and God sees us as perfectly righteous. Therefore, I'm fine in the light. I'm not concerned. I know there's no condemnation. So I'm coming to the light. See it? And not only that, because I know who God has made me to be. And therefore, what I'm doing now, now we can, we can talk about what practicing the truth really means, but focus on who you are first. I am a person who has been born again from above. And that's the truth. Now, it doesn't mean we all practice it perfectly. What it does mean is that we guard it and we acknowledge it and we accept it. That's the first stage in practicing the truth is believing it, acknowledging it, accepting it, and applying it to yourself. Those people come to the light so that their deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Again, verses 19 and 20 teach us things about the judgment of those who have not believed. Why does the judgment happen? Because they don't have good deeds? Is that why they're judged? No. They are judged for one reason and one reason only. Because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, verses 19, in addition to explaining the judgment of those who have not believed, also teaches about the nature of those who have not believed. The nature of that. In other words, the judgment has come into the world. Now, here's the nature of those who have not yet believed. Love the darkness rather than the light. The evil deeds. Hates the light. 
doesn't come to the light, fear, deeds be exposed. All of that is describing the nature of unbelievers. So we have the judgment, what it is, and the nature of those who have not believed and are under that judgment. All right, the judgment happens because they have not believed. Now, everybody who starts out life, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, it says that we were all children of wrath. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We all had a depraved mind. We all lived in degrading passions. Everyone. That's what it means to be an unbeliever. That's what it means. That's why people stay in the darkness. They don't want to face it. Right? There's so many depraved minds walking around today who don't want to accept it. And so what do they do instead? They hide. They put the fig leaf on. Right? They're hypocrites. Right? They want people to think one thing about themselves. Well, really, they know that there's something else. But as long as they stay in the darkness, as long as it's not revealed who they really are, then they feel like they're not accountable. They're not culpable. You see, that's what the light does. Okay? The nature of those who have not believed, stay in the darkness. All right. All men were this kind of humanity when they are born. All of us are this kind of humanity, right? In the, in the New Testament, now we're in the Gospels, and this is primarily, you know, the teaching right now that Jesus is doing, okay, is, is still teaching Israel, but these are universal principles. This is talking about man as a whole and believers and unbelievers. We now know from the epistles that there was an old man who was crucified on the cross, and then there's the new man, Jesus Christ, and we were in Adam, We were all in Adam, and then believers only are in Christ. That's exactly what we see here. It's talking about all men. All of us were that kind of humanity when we were born. Hating the light, staying in the darkness, evil deeds. Because there is none righteous, right? Not even one. In other words, we were all children of wrath. The Bible doesn't mince words. We were all children of wrath, every one of us. That's why the light was sent into the world. So that we would not remain in that darkness, but believe in the Son of God. We were all children of wrath. Please turn now to the Gospel of John in chapter 8, verses 43 to 45. Where Jesus confronts those who are still in the darkness. And they don't think they're in the darkness. That's the worst kind, right? People who think they're in the light, but they're really in the darkness, that is bad, okay? That is, you don't want to be that, okay? But we all started that way. It's called hypocrisy. All right, John 8, 43. Why do you not understand what I am saying? Can Can you hear the frustration that Jesus is having? Right, he's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, and he's saying, how come you don't understand what I'm saying? He knows the answer. It is because you cannot hear my word. In other words, you haven't believed, and therefore, you don't listen to the light. You don't hear God's word. You can't hear God's word. Unbelievers are deaf, okay? They're blind, and they're deaf, right? They can't see the truth. They can't, they, they don't hear it when it's spoken. They have to be born again before that happens. Verse, but he, look at how he goes on. Verse 44. Notice how he does not pull any punches. You are, your essence, your identity, who you are, 
is of your father, the devil. All unbelievers start out life with a father, and that father is the devil. We walked according to the course of this world, right? We're told that in Ephesians chapter 2. And you want to do the desires of your father. You see it? We want to. We all wanted to. We didn't maybe understand because we were in the darkness, but that's what we wanted to do. We were all born with, with, of sin. We were all born under the flesh. There's nothing good in the flesh. And that flesh wants to do the things that Satan wants that flesh to do. Okay? And we all did it. You, all, you want to do the desires of your father. Now, what about your father? The devil now, the unbeliever's father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. So what does that mean about those who are unbelievers and haven't come to the light? There's murder in them, right? Didn't, that's, what, that's what Romans 3, 1 to 10 is all about, right? The hands that dipped in blood and the feet that run rapidly to evil and all of that. Yeah, we, were all, we all had this murdering part of us. We didn't, we didn't commit murder, most of us. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you did. I don't know, you died. But I, most of us didn't commit it, but we had it, right? What didn't Jesus say about murder? Didn't he say, if, you've, if you hated your brother, you've committed murder, right? So, and that's another thing about the unbeliever, right? Hate, jealousy, revenge, right? And we all started out life this way. All I have to do is say two words to get the point across. Sibling rivalry. Right? What's that? Is that of Christ? No. It meant that the nature of most, if, they've been, if they're believers, that's different. But the, our nature, our natural tendency is to want to resist and fight and be better than and all of that. Okay, that's what's in view here. But not only that, notice the second part here about this, this sentence describing what, what the devil is and what all believers are. Notice, he was a murderer from the beginning and, notice this, he does not stand in the... He does not stand in the truth. Why? Why is that? Because there's no truth in him. You see, he's describing not only the father, but also the children. Right? There's no truth. And unbelievers don't stand in the truth there's no truth in them. I hope that you can see that that's the opposite of what the believer is. In verse, verse 21 of chapter 3, the believer practices the truth. Why? Because there is truth in the believer. Can you see it? It's really simple. When you just try to understand, he's describing two kinds of people. That's all he's doing back in John three nineteen to 21. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. This is the father. Of, of unbelievers, Satan. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he's a liar and the father of lies and there's no truth in him. You remind yourself, remind yourself of this. Remind yourself of who we're dealing with when we talk about spiritual warfare. We're dealing with somebody who's a murderer. All he really wants to do is wipe you out or make you ineffective in the Christian walk. And a liar. Everything that comes out of his mouth is lies. So when you're overwhelmed with lies, you know where they're coming from. Don't listen to them. They're not true. 
That's why we, we go back to the truth about who we are. That's why there's a helmet of salvation and a breastplate of righteousness and feet shod with the gospel of peace and the sword and the shield. All of that is to let us know that we are, we are not what he says we are. Don't listen to it. Always go back to the truth of the word of God. We've been saved. There's no condemnation for us. We are God's adopted children. God has declared us the, the breastplate. We, are, we stand here as being declared just, righteous, justified. That's the, Satan doesn't want you to know that. Right? Why? Because he, he has easy pickings. But somebody who's stewing in their guilt, stewing in the fear of God, that is like fertile ground for the attacks of the other team. Okay? But we don't have, we, that's why the truth is so important. That's why Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. Therefore, believers practice the truth. You see it? Not perfectly. Not, 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 but, but especially, by the way, you know, we have, think about it. We've been born again. We have been, the spirit has renewed us. We have a new, we are a new creation. That creation has been created for good works. That's other things too, but that's part of what, what, what the new creation is all about. All right? It's the, as, as, as Romans 8 tells us, that so that we may perform the righteousness of the law. That's why Jesus became sin on the cross. A lot of reasons, obviously, so we can go to heaven, but also that what we couldn't do on our own because of weak, weak as we were in the flesh, God did. He sent his son in the likeness of flesh, so that we who believe might do the righteousness of the law. That's all, that's all possible for those who have believed. That's all impossible for those who have not. And then verse 45, because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. That's talking about every unbeliever. Because I speak the truth, you do not, you do not believe me. You don't recognize the truth. You don't understand the truth. And, and everybody, i got to keep emphasizing this, everybody starts out life that way, right? Because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Jesus will say this many different ways in the Gospel of John about the fact that he's rejected because he speaks the truth. He is pointing out the evil in the world and people don't want to listen. That's true today, everybody as much. But it's true for every person who doesn't believe in Christ. Okay, back to John chapter 3, verse 21. Back to John chapter 3, verse 21. 19 and 20. Judgment of unbelievers. They do like their father does. They live in in murder, hatred, and lies. Okay, now let's go to verse 21. It's the other side. It's the other kind of humanity. Believers in Christ. What does it say? He who practices the truth comes to the light. So that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought, produced by God. Verse 21 describes those who have, describes those who have believed. You start out saying, I want to learn more about those who are under the judgment because they're unbelievers. Now I want to learn something else about those who have believed. Those who have believed practice the truth, come to the light, and when they come to the light, their deeds have, are shown to have been produced by God. Okay? The deeds that matter have been shown to be produced by God. Not to be saved, 
but because we're saved. And again, it starts with, with understanding the truth about ourselves. Understanding the implications of the gospel. All right? That's the, that is practicing the truth, by the way. So it's not as if you have to have certain kind of works... Again, lordship salvation. If you're not going to church every Sunday and you're not reading your Bible every day, well, then maybe you're not saved. Oh, really? So you're a Catholic. <laughs> right? No, those are not, that is not at all what you suppose. You're saved because you believed in the gospel. You're saved not because of anything you did, but because of the blood of Christ. That's why you're saved. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive. That's why we're saved. Okay. So, verses, verse 21, believers practice the truth. Believers come to the light. Okay. The believers then see that their deeds have been shown to have been produced by God. Please now, actually one more point about that. Why is that? The reason is, is that believers have been born again from above. They're brand new. See, the, the, those who have only been born in, under the flesh, under Adam, they're incapable of hearing the truth. Their deeds are evil. They hide from the light. Believers, those who believe, have been born again from above, from heaven. Okay? God, is, God has created a new creation. That is, that is created in righteousness and truth. And they have become the children of God. What a difference. We just saw that the unbeliever is a child of who? Satan. That's, I know that's hard stuff, but that's absolutely true. They're children of Satan. What does a child do? Like father, like son. Children of Satan. Those who have been born again, believers, children of God. Like father, like son. All right. Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, nine, rather. John 1, verse 9. Verse 9. John chapter 1, verse 9. See, it helps a lot as we go forward in the Gospel of John to go back and take the things that apply to what we're now learning. And there's so much in chapter 1 that by grasping it and being reminded of it, it becomes really clear what, what, what's being talked about in verses 19 to 21 in chapter 3. John 1, 9. There was the true light, the Word, the Son of God. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. Notice that. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens who? Every man. Does that mean every man is saved? No, it means that they have been shown their need for a Savior. That's all that that means. Every man needs a Savior, every man and woman, and every man needs to be shown that. What does the light do? The light shows their need for a Savior. The unbeliever, the light will show them their need for a Savior. Now, they can stay in the darkness, whatever they want to do, but that's what the light does. We'll see later on in the Gospel of John about the Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's what the light does. The light says that you're not righteous. The light says you are under judgment. The light says that you have sinned. Okay, All of those things are part of the light that the unbeliever is under. 
It's, now, they may not want to do it. They may want to run into the darkness. But the, they have no, in other words, there's no, no one can ever say, I didn't know I was a sinner. No one can ever say, I didn't realize I needed a savior. Why? Because now the true light has come into the world and has enlightened every man. Every man understands that they're a sinner. They may not admit it. They may run from it. They may hide from it. They may never look at it. But the truth has been revealed. This explains a lot. This explains why it is that people say, well, what about somebody who's never heard the gospel? Go back and say John chapter 1 verse 9. I'll tell you this much. They've been enlightened. They know that they have a sin. I don't know how God does it. I do know that the Holy Spirit does it. The whole, now the whole, so the Holy Spirit isn't limited by, gee, a missionary hasn't shown up in this little village. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, right? And, and omnipotent, all-powerful, everywhere. Okay? The light has shown every man that he needs a Savior. Verse 10, but what happened? He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Did not, notice, what did the world not do? The first step is they didn't know. They didn't know him. So they needed to know. They needed to be enlightened about the fact that they're a sinner and they need a savior. Okay? They didn't know. The world didn't know him. He came into his own. The Jewish people. You might have expected them to be, to be able to see. But they were blind. They had a veil over their eyes. They still do as a, as a, as a group, as a people. The world didn't know him. He came into his own. And those who were his own did not receive him. But, there's the same but, by the way, as we just saw, right, in John 3, 21. When you see but, it means, okay, there's a, they're talking about one kind of humanity, and now we're talking about another. There's only two. There's the unbeliever, and there's believer, okay? He was in the world, the world of unbelievers. The world was made through him. The world didn't know him, didn't know him. It's so important, didn't know him. How can you believe something you don't even know, Right? So, so there has to be a solution to ignorance first. But there's no excuse because the light enlightens every man. He came into his own and those who were his own, the Jewish people, did not receive him. But as many as received him. In other words, some recognized their need for a savior and recognized that Jesus is the one and they believe in him and they receive him. All right? they, to them, Believers, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Children of God practice the truth. Children of God come to the light. Children of God are believers. How do we know that? Even to those who believe in his name. It's so crystal clear if you just take a moment and look at it. Who is given the right to become children of God? Those who believe in his name. Who were born. Now this is, look, we were born, believers were born... Okay, how? Not of blood. This wasn't when we had physical birth. It wasn't because of our parents or anybody else or Abraham, or, you know, as we're descendants, the Jews were. We're born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There's the fundamental difference between a believer and an unbeliever. Believers have been born of God. Or as we see in chapter 3, born again from above. Okay, let's go back to John 3.19. John 
This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. This is a description. Everyone who does evil hates the light does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth, believers, come to the light so that, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Now, I want you to understand something here. Very simple. No one believer can come to the light. They can't. That's why the light comes to them. See, that? why? Because by nature, unbelievers hide from the light. They're in the darkness. We've all experienced that in preaching the gospel. That people are in the darkness about it. They won't come to the light. Right? The light has to come to them. But why can't they come to the light? Because their deeds are evil. And why their deeds evil... Because they have not believed. See, walk it back. Okay? They don't come to the light because their deeds are evil. And their deeds are evil because they haven't believed. And I'm going to have to emphasize this once again. This is not salvation by works. It's describing those who have not believed. It's not saying because you have evil deeds, you're not a believer. It's saying because you're an unbeliever... You have evil deeds, and that's all you have. Okay. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Also, this is not predestination in the sense of how the Calvinists view it. In other words, God does not decide who remains in the darkness and who comes to the light. For the simple reason that those who don't believe stay in the darkness. Those who believe come to the light. Okay. So, there's, so the issue is believing. I mean, it's kind of simple, but I want to keep pointing this. I know you know this, but in this context. After all, if God decided that, you know what, they're going to remain in the darkness. They're not going to come to the light. They're going to stay wicked and depraved and unbelievers. Wait a minute, God. I thought you just said that you want the world to be saved. I thought you said that, there, that Jesus didn't come for judgment. If he wants the world to be saved, how could he possibly decide that somebody can't be saved? Is that really clear? Is there any, anything mysterious or confusing about that? God, God said, I want to save the world. Those who remain in darkness are those who decide that, they're not, that they don't want to believe yet. That's what makes the difference. Makes the difference between those in the darkness and those in the light is believing or not believing. Okay. John chapter 4, John chapter 1, verse 4. John 1, 4. In him, this is the word, the Son of God, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it, did not understand it, did not accept it. But that light of men was life itself. You see, those who are in the darkness live in a place of death. It's called sin and death. Okay, that's how we start out life. But the light is the life. Okay, the life was the light. The life was the light of men. In other words, God was bringing life to everybody. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. Why? 
because the darkness is the abode, the place where unbelievers live. The darkness is the place where unbelievers live. Of course the darkness doesn't comprehend it. You see it? The unbeliever loves being in the darkness. Let me say that again. The unbeliever loves being in the darkness. Loves being ignorant. Doesn't want to know what he doesn't know. But he can no longer claim ignorance because the light is shown. Okay. The darkness, they love being there. They love being there. Don't get haughty. All of us, before we believed in Christ, lived in darkness and loved it. Okay. The difference between an unbeliever and a believer is the, like the difference between darkness and light. The unbeliever, again, does the deeds of his father, the devil. As such, his deeds are evil. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. 1 John 3, 10. There's children of God and there's children of the devil. We've seen that, right? Children of God born from above. Believer. Children of the devil. Unbeliever. By the way, that very thing is something the world doesn't accept. The world wants to think, we're all children of God, right? Isn't that the, you know, I like to teach the world. Anyway. Children of, children of the devil. That's, that, 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 that's definitely, I mean, you picture it now. You go to one of your unbeliever friends, right? And you want to tell them the truth. And you say, this is the truth. You're a child of the devil. Tough words, aren't they? True words, aren't they? Yeah. You're a child of the devil. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Notice, anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God and the one who does not love his brother. This is not lordship salvation. This is not checking people out. Okay, do you practice righteousness? Listen, by definition, a believer does. Why? Because a believer has been declared righteous. So, now this doesn't mean, and we've studied this a little bit in 1 John. This is, again, not talking about behavior. It's not saying that, well, you've got to do this and do that, and that's practicing righteousness. No, it means that you are been declared righteous, okay? And the one who does not love his brother. Love is the one thing that is definitely a characteristic of the believer. You can't avoid it. I mean, the gospel, especially in John. John says, listen, um, my commandment, my one commandment to you is that you love one another as I have loved you. John says the same thing here. The one who does not love his brother doesn't mean that you're always doing everything that your brother needs. Nobody can do that. But turn it around. If you don't love your brother, then what do you do? You hate your brother. What is hatred a sign of? Right? Hatred, and and by the way, I'm not talking about occasionally being irritated or getting angry. I'm talking about a basic position in life of hatred. Pure, unadulterated hatred. Do you realize that that's not possible for a believer in Christ? It's not possible. It's definitely possible, probable, and certain. Okay, I, I, I got, you all have people in your life that are like this, right? They have just made, they've just taken a stand that they hate you. And that's that. Unbelievers do that to believers all the time. Believers don't do that to unbelievers all the time. The unbeliever hides his evil deeds in the darkness. He doesn't want them to see the light of day. He hates the light because Christ is the light of the world. He hates the light because it will reveal his guilt. It will reveal his guilt. 
Christ is the light of the world. And again, He came to show every man his need to be saved. The light enlightens every man. Everyone is shown that they need a Savior. This is, not, this is so important to understand. It doesn't get taught enough. Everyone is shown by the light that they need a Savior. Everyone is shown that. They may ignore it. They may reject it. They may try to put it away. They don't want to hear it, but they've been shown that. Everybody's been shown they need a Savior. John, Back to John 3.21 as we wrap things up today. John chapter 3, verse 21. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Very simply, a believer in Christ practices the truth. A believer in Christ practices the truth. Again, don't get on a works program all over this. It's not saying that a believer, only a believer is somebody who goes out and becomes a missionary and gives all his money and presents his body to be burned and all that. No, it is saying by nature, by nature, the, what you've been created to be, your new creation, the new you, by nature craves the truth. It craves the truth. I'm not talking about your behavior necessarily, but I am talking about who you are. See, that's the problem with most believers. They don't know who they are. They don't realize that you've been given, you have become a new creation that craves the truth, that, it, that is created in righteousness and so forth. That's who you are, okay? Believer in Christ practices the truth. Why? Because he's become a son of light. A son of light, okay? Now, what happens after we believe? We are God's workmanship. God create, has created us in Christ for good deeds. Don't we say that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus? He's at work. Right? Doesn't we say that to those who love God, all things, God is causing all things to work together for good. Right? We say that too. We say that those who have believed God is as causing us to work and to will for his good pleasure. These are facts. Okay, take your mind off trying to evaluate human beings and put them onto the word of God. This is who you are. We are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ for good deeds. All righty. Well, I'm going to stop at this point because it was, I think it's probably because of the Lord's Supper. I don't want to dive into the next section today because, it'll, you know, it'll just, this is enough. Okay, and we will begin in John chapter three twenty two, next Sunday. So now let's get ready to prepare for the Lord's Supper, and I would ask at this time that the ushers would come forward and pass out the communion elements.
The Lord's Supper is a time for us to remember the death of the Lord and the purpose of the death of the Lord, the reason why he came and died and was raised from the dead, and that we would gather together on a regular basis and, and have the bread and the cup so that we recognize who we are. We are those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Like this morning, I'm going to read several passages that relate to what Jesus Christ did for us in, with the perspective of what we've learned today in John chapter 3. I'm going to start in Acts 26, verse 12. This is Paul recalling when he met the Lord and what his mission was. And we're going to see that it lines up perfectly with both the death of Christ for our sakes and the light. It reads as follows. While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I am Jesus, who died on that cross. I am Jesus, who was buried and was raised from the dead. Everything that the apostles have preached about me is true. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose, I have appeared to you. Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, to appoint you a minister, and notice what else, a witness, just like John the Baptist, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. Jesus would continue to appear to Paul, our Apostle, the Apostle of the Gentiles, the Apostle of the Body of Christ, rescuing you from the Jewish people. He came into his own, and his own received him not, and from the Gentiles the world who has remained in the darkness, to whom I am sending you. Why? Why did Jesus send Paul out to the Gentile world? You want to know why? The same reason that God the Father sent the Son of God. What's that? Verse 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive, here's the cross, forgiveness of sins, here's the resurrection, and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. In Colossians chapter 1, we, we hear this. For he, the Lord, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of sins. When we bring into remembrance the death of the Lord, we bring into remembrance that for every believer, all our sins have been forgiven because of the blood of Christ that redeemed us. And in Titus, we read this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us. The grace of God instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. The grace of God is at work so that we will live sensibly, righteously, godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us. 
there's the cross, to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Jesus gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to make us zealous for good deeds. Jesus died so that he could purify us, a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Finally, in Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 9 to 8. For we also were once foolish ourselves. We were all in the darkness. Here's what we all were, according to Titus 3, according to Paul. Disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, we all, according to Titus 3, 3, were this once, hating one another. There it is. We all were. We were all in the darkness, foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life, our very life, in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. The cross is a place of mercy. By the washing of regeneration, new creation, renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He has saved us by his blood, so that being justified by his grace, we may be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And this is a trustworthy statement concerning these things. I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. By his wounds, we are healed. We are healed. That means we've become a new creation. Not old anymore, but new. Born again from above. We were formerly darkness. But because of the death and resurrection of Christ preached and believed by us, we are now light in the Lord. We who were formerly far, far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ that we remember today once again. We were all formerly alienated, hostile, engaged in evil deeds. Now he has reconciled us in his fleshly body through death, through death. The death of the cross, which we bring to mind right now. Why? So that he might present us before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. For I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
We proclaim his death. It means that we come here to better understand why he died and what it accomplished. And we're going to do that until he comes. The, the church will do this in remembrance of his death until he returns. And that is why we have that hope of eternal life. So that he will return. And that we will finally see him for who he is. And then will see us for who we are also. Alright, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask today that you would temper our hearts with the truth of how much you love the whole world and how you gave your Son the light of the world so that no one would have to remain in the darkness any longer. And that by simply believing in the good news of the death and resurrection of your Son, whosoever believes will never perish but have eternal life. And that is your will for each and every person whoever lived and whoever will live. And that is why your son Jesus died on the cross. He was the propitiation for the sins of the entire world. He is the savior of the entire world. He died for every sin. He died for every human being. We want to just, uh, just take a moment, Father, to allow the truth of that to bring us once again to a place of awe concerning you and your son, And we again want to thank you for that and would ask now, Father, that we would leave here protecting that truth in our hearts and allow it to transform how it is that we see the unbeliever so that we would have the boldness to tell them the truth. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thursday evening Bible study, 6.30 on Skype. Study in the book of Isaiah the prophet. Please give us your prayer requests. I know I ask this every week um, because we want to pray for the things that you want to pray for. Okay. All righty. Let's close one more time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all that has gone on today. Our hearing from your word, our seeing your son and his magnificence, the brightness of his light, of recalling his death, understanding why preaching his death and resurrection. And we ask as we leave again today, Father, that the Holy Spirit would work on our hearts and our understanding and our spirit. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.